to imagine what life would be like if you were no longer defined by what you've lived up until today. To explore if you were wonder and abundance and ease and connection and power, which you are all that. It's the Health in the Real World podcast. It's time to start the show with Chris Jenke as your host. Here to give you everything that you need when it comes to fitness strategies. We keep it simple and easy. It's your roadmap to get healthy. You don't need equipment and you don't need a gym. Just the right strategies to get you fit and trim. Hello and welcome to the Health in the Real World podcast. I'm Chris Jenke. I'm joined today by Nat Karotmatri. Nat helps creators with big hearts and bold ideas to take up space and be wildly open to receive so they can create their greatest impact without burning out. Beyond his life's work, Nat also enjoys traveling, dancing the Argentine tango. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm really honored to get to be here with you. Your work is fascinating. You're helping creators. And so creators is, I would imagine I fit into that realm. I'm creating this podcast. Talk to us a little bit about what specifically you do, how you got involved doing this, and, and we can jump off from there. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I consider myself a coach or a life coach. The label really doesn't matter because it can mean so many different things. But essentially, the how I got into this work is just my own life journey of being someone that was misunderstood or didn't fit in as a young kid and really questioning why I was alive, what my value was, and Essentially, I discovered over the years is that I've always been a, a little bit of a visionary. I saw things differently. Some of the some of my ideas were just too far out for people to really accept. And those are the types of people that I tend to draw to work with me as well as where they just they didn't fit in. And they've tried to fit in and they try to do all the things that they thought they should do because that's what seemed safe or that's what got them what they wanted. And they've grown up and realized that framework, that way of being doesn't work for them anymore. And probably they're aware now that it never worked for them. You know, that maybe within the confines of their childhood home or whoever they grew up with, it worked to seemingly get what they want to get their needs met, get attention, feel safe. But that model for living in a greater adult world is not fulfilling. It's based on a lot of compromise and, and it can also lead to burnout. And you talked about the sort of five survival archetypes and you know people behaving in a certain way in order to survive but maybe not again feeling fulfilled these survival types i, I think once we 
get into them a little bit, I think everybody listening and watching is going to definitely be able to say, oh, that's me. Or maybe those two things are me. I know I definitely fall into a couple of those categories. I may have been all five at one point uh, or another, but let's go through these a little bit because I think we can take these behaviors that are, again, survival. Maybe they're helping you to pay your bills and things, but they're not really creating that life of abundance that we really want, that fulfillment. Walk us through those survival archetypes that you talk about, and and then we'll get to the other side of that with the frequencies of opening, which you call them. I think this is fascinating. Yeah, thank you, Chris. So essentially, I... Several years ago, I signed up to to write, to, to speak in an event. And this idea of these archetypes came, came were born. And it, in a sense, it helped me see myself of, like, oh, these are the ways that I've learned to cope. These are the ways that I learned to survive. And so you mentioned recognizing yourself as one uh, or several of the five when i wrote when i created this i realized i was all five so it's okay to be part of the all five club here so the five archetypes are the first is the perfectionist the second is the overgiver then we have the prover or earner and then the fifth is what i call the no needer and then the last is the sacrificer and just a little bit about these, these are the ways that we've learned to cope, that we've learned to, the, the behaviors that we adopted to get our needs met. And I, I want to make a point to that if you identify as any one of these, it's not to, it's not to make yourself feel bad about it. It's, there's nothing wrong with you if, if you identify with any of these, because I think recognizing that is the first step to being able to move beyond them but if you judge yourselves for them and judge that oh i'm this way and there's something wrong with me then you, in a sense you hold yourself there but you adopted these behaviors because you as a brilliant kid did what you needed to do to get your needs met and i, I think that's just really important to emphasize I agree that identify it, but don't live there. Know mm -hmm. that you're a changeable, adaptable person. Know that we all have our tendencies. And like, for example, I was an extremely shy kid and I, like I would be the one grabbing onto my parents' legs and not wanting to talk to anybody. And now occasionally I'll walk into a room and I'll still feel that apprehension. I can identify that, acknowledge it and still make a choice to walk up to somebody and say, hi, I'm Chris. That's a great jumping off point. So again, um, identifying your tendencies. Let's go to the perfectionist though, the first, the first survival archetype, the perfectionist. What's the kind of characteristics of the perfectionist? Yeah, the, the perfectionist believes that he or she or they need to be perfect they have a focus on trying to get things right yet at the same time worried about getting it wrong and they kind of go back and forth and it creates constriction in their bodies even often this visceral constriction of oh I, I need to really get this and they're constantly tweaking procrastination is common for perfectionists 
because there's a belief that it, if at one point they get it right, then they will be able to receive what they want. What and, they, and often, what do they want? Or like recognition, or what do they want typically? Or I think at its core, they want to feel valued. They want to feel loved. They want at its core, but in a greater scheme as creators, it might be to get recognition. Maybe it's to get money, to be paid, to gain visibility, to grow as a business. And the way that they feel safe is, is keep on pushing out the time because what they haven't learned is, or what they did learn is, I feel comfortable when I get it right, because then who, whoever I'm trying, whosever expectation I'm trying to meet gives me a sense of security or, or calm. But what they need to learn is that to be with that discomfort, to learn how to alleviate that visceral discomfort themselves without trying to change the circumstances to, to feel better. So it's more of an internal transformation rather than an, an external achievement. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So doing the internal work, I, one kind of cliche that comes to mind is, especially with creators, done is better than perfect. You mentioned that they're procrastinators and I would imagine they're procrastinating because they don't know how to make it perfect yet. So they just won't. Yeah. 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 They won't start or they have started, but they feel like it's not good enough yet. Got and it. they keep working on it to hope that at some point it feels okay. And, and part of it is that they're trying to meet an expectation of someone of which they don't actually have it clearly defined what that expectation is. That's got to be frustrating too. It's like you're trying to hit a target. You don't even know absolutely what it is. Okay. So that's the perfectionist moving on. What's the overgiver? The overgiver, yeah. what are their traits? The overgiver, as it sounds, is they just tend to give a lot and they, they feel uncomfortable about anyone giving them something without them having something to give back. So they'll just give and give. And then if people want to give back to them or, or just give something to them, money, support, uh, compliments, they'll deflect it. They'll say, no, I can't receive it yet. I can't have it yet. Let me give more. Makes sense. So it's the, if somebody says a compliment, or oh you oh you look so good. Have you been exercising, eating right? Oh, that kind of deflect instead of yeah. Just, thank you, thank you. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Just say thank you instead of oh no, I I have more work to do or minimizing oh, what they've done. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So where we talked about the perfectionist, it's a lot of internal work. What is the overgiver's work like? Where do they? Go? The overgiver grows also internally of, of feeling a sense of that there's enough for everyone that mm. just because you're giving doesn't mean that 
Well, so the overgiver believes that they can't receive because they're taking something away from someone else. And they don't want to be a burden on other people. So they just give and give. But they don't see the other side of, oh, people actually enjoy giving. They enjoy supporting. And so there's this belief of, oh, there is an abundance of goods and energy and love and finances for everyone there can be and finding find that sense of like spaciousness and flow another thing for the overgiver is being generous to themselves they're often generous to other people so being generous to themselves that they can give from a place of overflow rather than giving from a place of lack in hopes of then receiving recognition to feel good about themselves. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, nice. So that's the overgiver. Next we have the uh, the prover or the earner, right? That's the yeah. next one. So the prover or the earner, they believe that they have to keep on achieving or overcoming to be recognized or to be of value. They're the types that feel lazy for doing nothing. They don't allow themselves to really rest. They think it's a waste of time or they might think that they might lose out if they're not constantly doing something. They don't tend to give themselves credit for what has already been accomplished. Just as soon as they accomplish something, they move on to the next project. And then they just have a list of things to do. Like their to-do list is, they're the types of people that if they didn't finish something today, they add it on to the next day. And then it just becomes this like overwhelming to-do list that feels so, such a a big burden and, and like heaviness that they carry. Makes sense. I think I'm a prover for sure. So what do we provers need to do? Uh, internal work, external work? What are the next? What, yeah. do, what do I add on my to-do list? So for a prover earner, again, it, it depends on the individual. But I would start with padding appointments with some time in between. So instead of going from one appointment to the next, pad them so that you have transition time. And and that time is not to extend the appointments. It's time for you to take a break, to change the scenery. Another might be to, a part of that is scheduling you time in, in so for you to be, to do anything other than more work or accomplishing more because you need to be able to feel the sense of ease within your body. And uh, most prover earners don't feel that sense of ease. Actually, they feel uncomfortable not doing anything and they use that activity as a way to numb or to not feel that discomfort of uh, not doing something. So by creating space in your schedule, by taking time, you start to, uh, be more present to that discomfort 
and then handle them in different ways in more, in healthier ways. This is big. I'm, I, I can vouch for this because when I've, there is a discomfort in not getting stuff done and I can vouch for that. I've done this before where I would, <laughs> I put it in my to-do list, meditate for 10 minutes and to get to that meditation, it was a task on my list. But once I was there, then all the the action items got stripped away and I could just be there. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely a very powerful thing for provers. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, this feels good knowing that I'm a prover earner so I can take those steps. What is the, okay, so the, the, that's the prover earner. What's the, the known needer? That's the next in the yeah. survival archetypes. The known needer is someone who believes that they need to look like they have it together. They give this impression that they have it all together. They may actually not have it together, but on the outside, it looks like they have it together. These are people that find it hard to ask for help. They see asking for help as a weakness, as a vulnerability. And so they they really try to look like, like I said, they have it together, that they're strong. There's no vulnerability. There's no weakness. They're not really great with emotions because emotions, sadness, that's seen as a weakness. Like a sign of weakness, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So any sort of like sensitivity, emotional, these tend to be no-needers. No-needers also tend to be like the responsible ones. They're known for taking care of everyone and often putting other people first and them last. And they're... They're probably like the planners, right? Like if you want to plan a, a birthday party, go to the no-needer because they'll just get it done. Let's just do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No-needer probably combined with the prover earner would be a, yeah. a good person for that. Yeah, but yeah. They would be exhausted at the end. Completely miserable. And then probably likely pushing on anyway because, because of that internal belief that, oh, I'm more valuable if I can keep going. If I'm showing that I can't do this, then there's probably something wrong. Makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, so that's the no-needer. Last one in the survival archetype, the sacrificer. Yeah, the sacrificer, they've probably at some point in their life been told that they're too much to handle, too loud, ask too many questions. And they've learned to tone themselves down, to water themselves down, to shrink, to not shine their light as brightly. And they're not great with boundaries. They tend to be really giving, giving, giving in to what people ask of them because they think I'm of value when I can, I can serve these other people first. Like I'm, I'm not as important. My, my bigness, my brightness is not important. So they make up for that by trying to do a lot for other people and giving in. I think the other thing about sacrificers is, oh, they tend to settle for less. Like, 
if a 10 is what they really want, but they think they can't have it, like people, there maybe they create a program and, oh, this is what I really want to do. Mm-hmm. But they already have this belief of that people won't buy into it and they'll already water it down to an eight and put it out there. And, and so they might sell it, but it's not fulfilling because it's not what they really wanted, but they'll settle for less because it's at least something better. Something is better than nothing. Makes sense. Okay. So that's the sacrificer. We, I'm debating as far as what we want to do here, because we're up against the allotted amount of time. I don't know how much time you want to take for the five frequencies of opening that you talked about. I don't necessarily want to talk all about the problems, but. Yeah, we, we can go you... through them quickly and then I have the time. Okay. You tell me, Chris. Um, yeah, well, let's. We can go through them quickly. Yeah, let's go. Let's go through them quickly. I like these frequencies of opening. I'm getting the intuition that maybe they all happen simultaneously and they're like weaving into each other. So we can go through these quickly. Wonder, abundance, ease, connection, and power. Why don't you talk about those in, I'll, I'll just leave it open right now, next minute or two, whatever direction you want to go with yeah. these and, and talking about those and how we cultivate sure. them. Yeah, your intuition is correct where they all exist simultaneously. I see them like facets of a gem and, and us being the gem. And these qualities or these frequencies are often frequencies that we've been conditioned out of. Wonder, uh, wonder is associated with like playfulness and curiosity. We see them in kids all the time, little kids display and express wonder. And so wonder sits on the other side of perfectionist. So in one way, diving into to wonder can be a way to move out of perfectionism. It doesn't have to be a direct correlation of, of how I set up the framework. It could be that you might dive into some other frequency that helps open you up, helps you feel less constricted and more free to be yourself. But wonder sits on the other side of perfectionism. And so it's instead of living life from a place of conclusion or this is the way it has always been, wonder helps you step into, I wonder what else is possible. I wonder if this works out better than I expect it to. These types of questions help open us up to possibilities. And then we're more willing to take the steps. But if we start from a, this isn't going to work. And if this needs to be perfect and you already feel the constriction in your body, that's a sign that like, okay, this isn't going the right direction for you. The direction is openness. How, how can I soften my body? How can I open my awareness, my consciousness, my, my mind? to allow more possibility. And then you hit a key thing there. It actually will viscerally affect your body. Listening to those feelings is really important. You also, where you said we've been conditioned out of these ways of being. Wonder is a huge example, right? When we're kids, we ask, oh, why? Because we're so curious. We're just wondering what are some other possibilities? And some of us, a lot of us, tend to lose that, right? That wonder. Yeah. So 
what are some things we can do if we've identified that? I think for me personally, I'm definitely a prover number one. And there's, there were maybe two other ones that I, I can see a little bit of mm-hmm. myself in them. Once we've identified that, how do we move toward those frequencies of opening, wonder, abundance, ease, connection, and power without judgment? How do we move that direction? So one thing is I can send you, I have a one sheet that shows what the survival archetypes are and what are these frequencies are. And so that's something you can share with your audience so they can see. From there, I would suggest just looking at what the frequencies of opening are and see which one draws your attention, which one lights you up. You feel a pull to go there and then explore what might it be like to... So an a invitation to that would be imagine what it might be like if you were actually this frequency. So not that you have it, but if you lived life as power how would the power express through you let's say got it it's not like i have power and this is what i can do with it but if power itself like you were power how would you as power live your life what would be important to you what would be your values what would you stand up for what would uh you not stand for are all ways to live as power The same as abundance. Abundance is not necessarily something you have. It's what you are. So if you were abundance, how would you live? How would your day be? How would you do your work? How would you talk to people? It really takes people out of this conditional learned way of being of like, I am my stories and this is how I should survive in the world to this whole different... um, paradigm of okay i'm not i'm no longer defined by my old stories this is what's available to me now i am wonder i am abundance i am connection i am power how does this want to express through me how do i want to live in the world as this and it's it's an invitation that has more resonance It, it makes you feel more alive and I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time here, but it it is an invitation to live from the unknown where there's more aliveness, potential, and creativity rather than the known of where we tend to gravitate towards for security. But to live just from the known is to live in a rut. Yes, 100%. Nat, I this has been awesome. I think I, I can use what you just said as the answer to the next question, but I'm still going to give you a chance to answer it again. We're going to put you in front of a university for a graduation ceremony. You're the keynote speaker. You're going to give a motivational speech on how you think the graduates can get the most out of their lives. You can go whatever direction you want to go. You can go super big picture how to get the most out of your life, like your 30 second to one minute motivational speech. Probably what I just said is to imagine what life would be like if you were no longer defined by what you've lived up until today. 
to explore if you were wonder and abundance and ease and connection and power, which you are all that, what, how, how might your life look differently? What could be possible? Where are you drawn to doing in your life? And then follow those breadcrumbs and see where it leads you because this more or less unconventional approach is, is going to lead to you lead you where you actually in your heart want to go not to where you think you should go based on everyone else's expectation exactly i love that Nat, how do people get in touch with you if they want to work with you or have any more questions? Uh, website, social media? Yeah, thank you. They can go to my current website, which is boldaliveness.com. And on there, you can also take a quiz to see which of the survival archetypes that are driving you most or what are your tendencies are. You can also find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash and then my full name nat karopmetry awesome i think that's great so you have that quiz of uh what we just talked about which archetype is driving you so if you guys don't have an idea or you want to get even more depth i encourage everybody to go to that website again this is health in the real world i'm chris jenke i have nat karopmetry here today nat thank you so much for joining us today really appreciate it oh my pleasure chris thank you so much Thanks for listening to the Health in the Real World show. Make sure to like and subscribe and comment down below. Visit MyCoreBalance.com to learn more.